real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Hello, this is Sarah St. John with the Frugalpreneur podcast. Today we have Albin from Buzzsprout. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sarah. It's a, I'm so excited. <laughs> and can you tell us a little history and the background of Buzzsprout? Sure. So Buzzsprout is a podcast hosting platform. And over the years, we've kind of grown into having a lot of other features to help people be successful with their podcast. And so that is our mission is helping um, people, brands, and businesses be successful in the world of podcasting. Kind of the history is in the late 90s, we had a website builder called Insights. And you know, just think of a very, very primitive, you know, what Squarespace is now. You know, we uh, we never hit Squarespace numbers, but you know, as a website builder. And I think just based on our background, most of our customers were nonprofits and churches. And Somewhere in the mix of 2007, eight, they started asking us, Hey, how do we get our audio on our websites? And we go start Googling it and we go, Oh, you know, this looks like they, what they really need is a podcast for the church. They want to get their sermons online for the nonprofit. They want to get their message out to the world. And that was kind of the genesis of Buzzsprout. We initially started by just writing tutorials for the products that were out there at the time. And uh, it was a little bit more advanced than some of our customers could use. And uh, we ended up building a whole new product, which is now Bus Brown. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that background story about how you start out with like churches and whatnot. Like right now, I know a lot of churches are going online and maybe by podcasting, but maybe just online video. But so that's, that's cool that that's how y'all started. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Do yeah, you have you, Oh, sorry. I was going to ask, have you seen podcast numbers gone up as far as new accounts? Because I think a lot of people are, now that they're spending more time at home and whatnot, are starting podcasts. So, Yeah, we are seeing an increase. I know some of it is just that I think Buzzsprout has been getting bigger over the last few years. And so there's a bit of that going on. And I do think that there is a, you know, a segment of people that are now at home more or they're starting to think, hey, what else could I get going as I'm, you know, not out socializing with friends? What can I do in the privacy of my home? And um, if people have been thinking about starting a podcast for years, this is a great time for them to start doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what makes you different from other uh, podcast hosts? I'm, I'm familiar with some of the differences. Sure. So it, I think a lot of what makes us different comes from our background in the nonprofit um, space. So if you think about the assets that a nonprofit has, the abilities they have, a lot of 17-year-olds donating two weeks of their time before they go off to college because they want to make their resume look a little nicer. And they've got a lot of retirees um, donating time because they want to be doing something that's helpful. And if you look at those two groups, what you kind of get is people that are not super tech savvy. And so if it's a, you know, maybe it's a 17-year-old who really understands Snapchat, but they're only going to be there for two weeks. So if they set up a podcast for you and then they leave, well, now who's going to run this? Or if, you know, a recent retiree who spent his or her entire career working in Microsoft Word, they're going to be a little bit tougher for them to pick up some new audio equipment. And so our entire uh, focus since the beginning has been ease of use. Podcasting is difficult enough. It's weird hearing your own voice for the first time. It's very easy to have this sense of imposter syndrome that nobody really cares what I'm saying. Those are all things that are really tough about podcasting. So 
if we're already dealing with that, let's not add a whole nother layer of tech issues. And so anything that we can do to get the technology out of the way and get you podcasting, that is our entire goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that you have transcription services and an affiliate marketplace and just different things that other hosts don't offer. Can you go more into those? Sure. So if we're kind of going on that, what makes us easier and how do we pull some of that is actually making some decisions for you. One of them is there's actually multiple file types that work pretty well for podcasting. And so we ended up doing the research and we said, you know, we really think across all platforms, the best is MP3. And so that is what we're going to support. And if it's in mono, it's going to be 92 kilobits per second. And these are all things that do, does everyone have to make this decision for themselves? No, it's kind of, it's a standard. So uh, what we do is you, whatever you upload to us, no matter what, we will correct it and make it the optimal standard. A lot of uh, these tutorials will teach you how to do ID3 tagging, which is actually adding like metadata about your show into the MP3 file. Well, it's a really time-consuming process. So it's something we said, hey, everyone should have it. Let's just go ahead when they upload their episode, we add it for them automatically. And so we take the title of your episode and your artwork and we put it in the MP3 so that if anyone ever separates that file and it's sitting on their desktop, it looks nice. So it's got a good name on it. So it's a few of those kind of intentional decisions where we're doing things in the background to remove some of the technical hassles. A couple of the things you mentioned are like transcriptions. Transcriptions are a great way uh, for people to find your podcast. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to a, a podcast going, wow, it's a great quote. Unfortunately, I'm driving in that car and it's not a great time to sit there and type on my phone. So I go, I'm going to go look for that later. And you start typing it into Google and you cannot find it because no one's ever transcribed the episode. So what we decided to do is build transcriptions into Buzzsprout, make it very easy for people to transcribe episodes and get that out to the world as a value add to all of their uh, listeners. Okay. Is that like done in-house or do you use a third party, like outsource that or how does that work? So for the transcriptions, we're talking at kind of an interesting time. We have got three different answers depending on if it's two weeks ago, right now or in the future. We had one third party service that we use. It turned, it was kind of expensive and then they raised their prices and it was not a very good, it hasn't been the best. Then we went down the path of seeing how easy it would be to build it ourselves. It's not very easy. And so in the future, we're moving to a new service um, called otterday.ai. And that's who we'll recommend because uh, they give everybody 600 minutes of free transcriptions. And in all of our tests, um, they actually came out really, really good. It's all automated. So it's not perfect, but it was quite a bit better than anything else that I'd experienced. Okay. Wow. So, so the first 600 minutes of transcription is free and then you pay however much per minute basically after that. Right. And if you think about it, you know, how many podcasters are doing over 10 hours of audio recordings every month? And if you are, you're probably doing well enough that you could cover the cost of your transcriptions. Okay. So that's 600 minutes per month that they, okay. Wow. Yeah. So they have a really generous plan free plan. And then they also um, just have a very good transcription service. So that's where um, we're moving. Okay, cool. And then as far as the affiliate marketplace, that's different. I haven't seen any other host offer that. I think that's pretty cool. Can you explain how that works? Sure. So we kind of go back to our mission of helping podcasters, whether they be people, brands, or businesses be successful in podcasting. For a lot of people, for personal brands, people also want that monetization aspect. They want to be able to see the connection between, I'm creating this content, people are really liking it. Now, how do I make this kind of worth my while? And it uh, it doesn't have to be something bad for you to say, hey, I would like to make money on something I'm putting a lot of effort into. If you're creating value, you should get something back. And we have a different kind of way of thinking about monetization. The 
standard for years has been, hey, go ahead and do a podcast, make it really good, get it, grow it like huge, and then slap some ads in there and you're done and you make a bunch of money. And that really works well for the Joe Rogans and serials of the world who have millions of listeners. Because when you start charging or start making two cents per listen, and you're putting out all these episodes and they're getting millions of plays, you make really good money. But the downside is that podcasting is actually built. And everything that's really great about podcasting is that we build these like very small, tight-knit communities. So the average podcaster only has a bit over 100 plays per episode. So the average podcast is only getting 100-odd plays. Well, how are we going to turn that into real money? It's definitely not going to happen through the ads, right? If it's done with the ads, we're looking at something like, oh, we're making $40 a month. I'm not mad that I made $40. That's covering some of my costs. But you know, it's making so I can buy a Roadcaster Pro someday, but it's not making it so that I can quit my day job. So we kind of went through this deep dive of investigating how can we align the monetization strategies that we recommend with the realities of podcasting. And the realities of podcasting are, it's very hard to create good content. It's hard to grow your audience. It's really hard to grow an audience. Uh, We can get into why that's the case. And so we've got to find a world where the way we're monetizing is we make each individual person matter so much. And so one of the ways to do that is affiliate marketing. One of them is actually getting leads to your business. One of them is growing your career. And so as we went through all of these, um, affiliate marketing is one that we can make it easier by bringing it into Buzzsprout, which is why we started finding partners to invite into the affiliate marketplace. Do you have any other partners kind of in the works that you're able to discuss? or Because I know you right now you have your own affiliate um, program. And then I think Instacart, I believe. And yeah, we have, we have a Buffy. Yeah. Buffy. And we've, we've had other ones in the past and we've are in discussions with other brands to bring them in. We have a pretty strict requirements on there. So, you know, I'll go through some of what the requirements are for people to be in inside of the affiliate marketplace. One, the offer they're giving has to be exclusive. It has to be better than what somebody could get out in the wild. If you're able to get the exact same deal somewhere else, well, this doesn't really make any sense for it to be inside of the app. You know, it's not something that's exclusive. The second thing is that we have to get cash for people rather than, you know, there's only so many gift certificates for a free pair of underwear that I need. (laughs) And like, at some point I've referred like, 50 people and like, I'm good. I'm set with all the, you know, the me undies certificates that I need. And then the, the third is there can't be any level of influence requirements. And so a lot of times people apply to be an affiliate and then they get a reply that says something like, well, if you're on YouTube, you need to have over a hundred thousand subscribers. If you're a podcast, you need to see 10,000 plays per episode and a blog, I need to see these stats. And we'll go, oh, so I'm not even close. And then, again, it's not aligning the realities of podcasting with an opportunity to monetize in a meaningful way. And so um, that's why we have those requirements. So I guess that's a little bit of why that's a smaller group of people. And the next is, there's a lot of great affiliate affiliate relationships out there and that I would recommend to people, but there are often ones that you can do just as good of a job connecting with, for example, Amazon affiliates. There's nothing special brought by me putting it inside the app and then you clicking a button and going somewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And kind of along those lines, you also offer discounts for various podcasting products and services within the member area mm-hmm. how like if someone wanted to like say someone offers a podcasting product or service and they wanted to be a part of that to be seen and offer a discount to, to your uh, subscribers how would they go about doing that 
So that's just a group. I think it's probably just from me being around the industry for a long time that we end up bumping into everybody at Podcast Movement and all these places. And, you know, from building relationships with a lot of these companies and also having over 100,000 podcasters on bus route, we can go and say, hey, would you like to get into front of a lot of new podcasters? Because if you are interested in it, we would love to offer a discount code. And so every one of them is a company that we have used that we think is actually really good. And they're offering something valuable for our customers. Because we, one of the things I really uh, despise about affiliate marketing when it's done poorly is people who are recommending things they've never tried as if it's the greatest thing ever. And like, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it. Like you hear it in a podcast and someone's saying something ridiculous. They're like, Top secret popcorn is the most delicious. I just had it last night with my wife and it was so, and you're like, no, you didn't. You didn't have it last night. <laughs> or they're talking about Blue Apron and they're describing a meal that you're like, you don't remember the like mango chutney. You don't, you didn't even know what chutney was. You just <laughs> pulled that out of the ad copy and it's so goofy. So like I, so yeah, one of the things for us is we're not going to put anything in there that we don't use. I mean, one of the examples is we used to recommend a different long distance podcast editing software. And we had a lot of customers reaching out to us saying, Hey, I did something and we lost a whole file. And we were like, well, that's terrible. And we started talking to their support. And over the years, we were like, this is really not the best. And so we started going back out and looking around and going, what is out there that people are really enjoying? And found Squadcast and met the team. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't just go, okay, from now on, we will put Squadcast you know, on things. We went back through all of our old blog posts, all of our uh, help articles, everything, and said, hey, whenever we're talking about long distance stuff, we're going to recommend one thing and it's going to be Squadcast. There's a, a really great thing I heard I, from Pat Flynn one time. Um, somebody asked, why don't you ever recommend two or three options? You know, hey, check out this email software. I, you know, you could use Aweber, you could use ConvertKit, or you could use uh, Trip. And he said, well, if you're doing that, you're actually not doing anything. You're not recommending anything. Because what you're trying to do with affiliate marketing and you're trying to do when you're recommending something is somebody's coming to you because they see something about you that says, you have an authority and I trust you. And if you go to someone and you say, hey, what's the best? Which of these shirts looks good on me? And they say, all of them look fine. Well, you didn't recommend anything then. And so our opinion is whenever there's four or five options, we want to pick one that we do truly believe is the best or explain products are different for different groups of people. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And when I do a affiliate marketing, uh, yeah, I guess we're talking a lot about affiliate marketing instead of podcasting. We'll get back on track. But <laughs> I mean, they, they kind of go hand in hand in a way, because one of the best ways I think to monetize a podcast is through affiliate marketing. But while I'm on that topic, yeah, I try to only refer things that I've personally used and feel like is the best within that category. And yeah, you make a good point that if you're referring three or four things within the same category, it's like, well, you're kind of just giving people all the options that are out there. You're not really giving them your opinion or your best, which one you think is the best. You're kind of just throwing it all out there like you could do this or this or this. <laughs> so that's yeah, a good exactly. point. Another feature that I wanted to ask about was the visual sound bites. Can you do a full episode audiogram or is it more just like bits and pieces, like 30 second increments or something like that? Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what like an audiogram is, if you're ever scrolling through social media and you see kind of a waveform or something moving for a podcast, that's uh, called an audiogram. And there's a lot of companies that make them headliner, wave, or two of the most popular. And we built a version into Buzzsprout where what we do is we take a clip of your 
podcast and we do a audiogram that is actually matched to your voice. You can customize the colors and the layout depending on which social media platform you're going to publish to. And then we generate a video file for you to share. The reason we do it is because you, when people have studied this, I think it was Headliner that actually did the study. They found that a audiogram actually gets three times as many clicks as a static image. And if you're thinking about the way Facebook works, Video is autoplay, but what you don't get is the audio. And so if you're recommending a podcast with a static image, most people are going to go buy it, not even notice that it's a podcast, just see a picture of like my face or my artwork and go, okay, and keep going. But an audiogram, they see something moving and they go, and then maybe they see like the subtitles on it changing and then they click it and they listen and they go, oh, this is pretty good. Now, to get to one of your explicit questions, can you do the entire episode? We've chosen not to do that because the purpose of these are there to be a trailer. You know, people are really not listening to entire episodes of podcasts in their Facebook feed. They're scrolling through for two minutes while they're waiting at the grocery store, or they've got a couple minutes between a task. And so they just scroll through and they look at some pictures and they maybe listen to a trailer of your podcast. What we really want to do is capture some people's attention, direct them to our website or to our Apple podcast listing and get them to subscribe so that we can actually create um, a real connection with them, not just in the 30 seconds they saw us on Facebook, but instead hopefully for you know months and years of them listening to our show. Are there captions with those audiograms or just just has like the wave file? So the best way to do it is to, we create just the video and then Facebook has a way that you can add Facebook captions. Um, so that would be overlaid onto the video. And then it's like this native Facebook experience. Mm -hmm. Can you put it on Instagram as well? Or is it just for Facebook? Yeah, Instagram's a little bit uh, tougher because they will never let us just push something into Instagram. Um, so you just download a video and then you would upload it separately into the app. Like, oh, here's a, a video. And Instagram doesn't know if it's promoting a podcast or it's a picture of you know me playing with my dog. And so they go, okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and earlier you, we were kind of talking about ways to monet well we were talking about affiliate marketing and how you can monetize a podcast that way but what are some other ways that someone could monetize a podcast so to answer that i want to if you don't mind i'd like to go back a step and say what makes podcasting different than all of these other areas of online content because if you look at most areas of the web, they are all, a lot of them are, mon are monetizing with ads. And if all these other places are monetizing with ads, people come to this conclusion, well, my podcast should be monetized with ads. And then when I say, oh, that's actually the worst way to monetize a podcast, people look at me like in a funny way, well, they're like, well, Google's doing it and the New York Times is doing it, and BuzzFeed's doing it. So what are you saying? Why should I do it differently than all the experts? So the first thing is almost every other content type has a feedback loop to make things go viral. You think of Twitter, if I post a funny meme and people like it, the Twitter algorithm starts showing that tweet to more of my followers. And if it engages them enough to retweet it, it gets shown to their followers. And it has this ability to go viral, to actually get spread quite a bit more. And it's a way that if my content is doing really well, it actually can do really, really, really well and get a ton of exposure. TikTok is always surfacing the you know most engaged posts. Uh, YouTube, if it sees lots of people are liking and uh, commenting, it will show that more often. If your blog post is getting lots of engagement and people are linking to it, the Google algorithm will show it in more search results. And 
um, are more likely to be at the very top of the search results and get more reads. And so if you think about it, all of these, what they do is the rich get richer in each of these. You know, it's a viral loop. Okay, so now what is podcasting doing? Well, podcasting is the exact opposite. What happens when you really engage with a podcast? You listen to the whole thing and then you close the app. It doesn't, there's no liking, there's no sharing, there's rarely any sort of recommendation engine in the app. There's no centralized location for recommendations to be surfaced. Now, there's lots of people trying to solve this, like uh, Good Pods is trying to become kind of like the good reads of podcasting or friends at Podchaser trying to be kind of the IMDB of podcasting. So there's people who are trying to figure out how to recommend things. But right now, we just don't have that feedback loop. And so that really leads us to, it is so hard to create a podcast. I gave a talk at PodFest and I actually asked people, raise your hand if you've ever opened up an app on someone's phone to get them to subscribe to your show. And it was like 80% of the people in the room said, yes, I have opened the app on someone else's phone to subscribe to my podcast. And I was like, okay, has anyone ever done that for YouTube? And no one had ever done it for YouTube. And no one's doing it for blogs. And no one's doing that for Twitter. No one's saying, hey, let me see your phone. Let me download the Twitter app and follow me. That You're not doing that. Because all of those other behaviors are so ingrained. And yet podcasting, we're fighting for every one of our listeners. So what is that? That leads me to, we actually have these really small uh, listener bases on average, just a bit over a hundred. But what we have in that are people that will probably listen for years because they took a really intentional step and they downloaded an app or they used the purple one on their phone that you know was already there, the Apple Podcast app, and they subscribed and they listen every week. And so what we have in podcasting is we don't have those casual fans. You know, we don't have the random person who scrolled by and liked your tweet because they kind of made them laugh a little bit for half a second. We actually have people who they know every Wednesday when I'm driving into work, I'm going to get my favorite show and I'm going to listen to it on my way to work every week. That is so much more powerful than somebody who's bored on a Saturday, auto playing YouTube videos and watching what you put out. It's incredibly more powerful. So we don't have large audiences, but we have incredibly, like insane level engagement in our audiences. So why in the world would we ever accept a monetization strategy where we sell attention for three cents a listen? We've spent all this work getting 120 people to listen to our show. And then we're going, I'm about to make six bucks on this episode by selling your attention to somebody. So we've got to find ways that we can monetize people. We can't change the audience side of that equation. We can really affect how much money we make off of each of our listeners. And it's not a bad thing because our listeners want to support us because they really care. Most of them are thinking, this is one of my favorite pieces of content I listen to in the week. So some examples I have to get of affiliate marketing. Because with affiliate marketing, I'm taking the burden on myself. And I'm saying, I actually know my audience. I talk to them all the time about podcasting. And so a lot of them are wondering what best long-distance podcasting solution is out there. And then I can honestly say, oh, I think it's Squadcast because I use them every week. And here's how I use it. And here's things that aren't perfect, but I know they're working on. And I can give a really honest recommendation. And then, and so when they click on that link and they actually sign up, because they're, I know they're going to sign up pretty high rate if I'm recommending it, then I'm actually going to make a lot more money than three cents a listen. Um, so that's one why affiliate marketing works really well. Um, leads for a business. I can't tell you how many people, they're, what they're doing is they're building up these very small groups of super fans, people who really love them on a podcast, and they find ways to monetize them to an incredible amount. So there's lots of uh, real estate agents who have podcasts. And so I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and 
you could have somebody who's going, oh, I'm out in Jacksonville Beach. And this is the Jacksonville Beach real estate podcast where I tell you everything that's happening. If you want to buy an investment property, uh, this area is hot. This area is kind of cooling off. This area has some new development coming in. So I think it's going to be really good in the future. I've talked to 30 new families and this is what they're looking for. Um, when I'm do when I'm showing rentals, here's the type of amenities people expect now. You are sharing your expertise on a very focused area of the market. Like in this area, here's what people want in real estate. Well, what's going to happen when one of the 200 people that listen to your show goes, "Yeah, it's time for me to buy my investment property." They know who the expert is, and so they call you. And now you have monetized them to the tune of $16,000, right? They've now listened to you. They bought a home with you or they bought a property with you. Um, and if they're doing investment properties, maybe they'll buy two or three through you. That's much greater than if you were giving away their attention for three cents so that Geico could just maybe make a sale someday. Do you want, is it okay if I just keep going, give some more? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think one that is, almost cliche you hear so often and yet is so valuable is creating your own products to sell. Because with mass market advertising, what's happening is Geico is saying, oh, Geico insurance, pretty much good for anybody. Tide is saying, well, Tide, almost everyone has to wash their clothes. Why don't you wash with Tide? But they don't really differentiate between you or me or anyone else in the world, they say pretty much everyone needs insurance and to wash their clothes. Whereas if I've got a podcast, and this is a example from, you know, a podcaster on Buzzsprout, he had a show where he was talking about productivity and how he structured his day. And it had kind of a religious bend to it as well. And so he had a really focused group of people that really loved his podcast and it was growing pretty well. And well, part of it was he talked a lot about, I think, morning routines and kind of structuring your day. And so he threw out there once. He was like, hey, I'm thinking about just kind of custom printing some notebooks for myself. And in the notebooks, I'm going to have kind of a morning routine sketched out, basically following all of the principles we've been talking about for the last few years. Would anyone be interested in this? And he got 15% of his listener base, which was hundreds of people to pre-order a journal that had not even been created yet. Okay, what independent book seller can do that? It doesn't happen. Nobody is putting out, hey, here's the best journal ever. Why don't you buy it? And getting hundreds of people to buy it. But he was able to do that because he built a really long-term relationship. And then they all had bought into the same thing, which was, we are in a group of people who care about the same things. We're using the same methods. We all are in this and you understand us. And now you're creating the perfect daily planner for us. And so he was able to launch it. For people to create courses or consulting that teach whatever their podcast teaches in a deeper way. So now I'm going to forget the name of the podcast, but there's a woman named uh, Casey Rossi who has a podcast called something about uh, women teaching women or it's what it is, is she was moving into the health and wellness space and she was deciding she wanted to connect with lots of women entrepreneurs in the health and wellness space. And so she started interviewing them for her podcast. And eventually people said, Hey, you've got so many good tips. You have so much insight. Um, you're such a great developer of leaders. Would you ever make a course? She goes, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll make a course. So she made a course outlining all of the principles she learned over the years in all these discussions. And people started taking the course and they really enjoyed it. And some of them said, you know, the course was good. I still got some questions. There's some things that I don't understand. I know you're busy, but would you ever do any consulting for my business? And so she started doing consulting. And instead of charging a couple hundred dollars for a one-time course, now she's spending charging a couple hundred dollars for a couple hours of consulting. So she's making quite a bit more money. And then the people who did super well in the consulting, well, now she gets to take them and invite them to be on her podcast, where not only are they saying, here's what I'm doing as a 
female business owner, I'm actually advocating for what you did. I'm saying, oh, the course I took with you actually was one of the you know breaking points for me where I really understood something new. And then when we did the consulting, that was where this clicked for me. And it took me in my business to the next level. And like you imagine just the insane level of connection you're making with your audience when they're hearing week after week. Thank you, Casey. I finally understood this. I had a breakthrough because of working with you. You listen to 10 of those episodes, you're buying the course. And if you buy that course, there's a solid chance that you're going to say, hey, any way I could do the consulting? And if you did the consulting, well, now you're about to be on the podcast. So you just think what she's doing and why it's so valuable is because she's creating a community, building something exactly for that community. It's custom made for them and doing that over and over. And then the last story I just like love the most are people who advance their career through their podcast. So we've seen people who just start a podcast talking about comic books or whatever. And then when their business says, hey, we need to start a podcast for the company. Does anyone know about it? Well, they go, oh, you know, Jim's got a podcast about uh, comic books. Hey, why don't you come in here? I know you've kind of been like a lower level guy for a while, but what if we had promoted you and started a new thing and it's you running our podcast for a brand and you're going to be working with the CEO so that he can, the two of you will have conversations so that the people learn about the brand. Well, holy cow, you just got a huge promotion. You have so much more expertise and you're doing something you love. Or one story I love is my friend Reggie, who I met at Podcast Movement. And he transferred from being in construction to teaching himself how to program so that he could get a programming job. But for a long time, it's pretty difficult to get a programming job and get out there. If you don't have a degree, you don't like you're you look like you worked construction for a long time and now everyone's looking at you going this guy isn't a programmer he doesn't he's not a skinny guy with like acne and long hair you know you're not the typical programmer look and so he started a podcast about his experiences and people started listening to it and as people listen to it they go oh holy cow this guy's teaching himself everything he's so smart this is who we've got to interview and so his podcast was a way for him to constantly get interviewed and recruiters reaching out to him saying, Hey, I know you've got a good job now, but what if you uh, left that to come work for us over somewhere else and get an even better job? And again, that's the same theme of you were able to make one, per- one of your listeners has a possibility of being insanely valuable. You know, they could buy an expensive course from you. They could offer you a new job, they could promote you from within your organization, or they could buy a home through you. You know, all of them have the same, or with affiliate marketing, they could buy a very expensive product and you get a very large amount of money back. They all are focused on how do I make one person really matter rather than treating everyone like a faceless person who is basically how Tide and Geico have to imagine everyone to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of good points and great stories. I, I appreciate you sharing all that. <laughs> and what what would be a good way to get more listeners? Or do you have any kind of suggestions on that? Well, I've got more suggestions on what not to do, I think, than what to do. Definitely one of the biggest red flags we get is people say, so what are the most popular categories right now. You know, I've heard true crime is pretty good. Should I do some true crime episodes or people who are right now saying, well, coronavirus is really in the news. Why don't I do some episodes about that? And what you're actually doing when you're doing that is diluting your true brand in an attempt to get more people to come and listen to you. But the people who are listening to you are listening to you because they go, hey, you understand my pain point, which is I'm trying to start a business. And I'm trying to do it on a budget. And I'm not going to be this flashy marketer guy getting yachts and filming commercials. I'm going to do it on, you know, in a frugal way. If you were to then say, hey, I'm going to start doing a bunch of true crime episodes randomly on the side, that's not going to grow as a podcast. Um, so I always tell people, you know, definitely stick with your brand because you've got to be so focused that 
people will say, uh, they'll feel comfortable telling the few friends they know who are into the same thing. Hey, I know that you don't listen to podcasts, but we need to download this app onto your phone so you can listen to this show because you, like me, are looking for a way to start a business on a budget. And then they go, oh, wow, this podcast sounds perfect. I've never listened to a podcast, but now I'm interested. Now, no one's doing that when it's, hey, there's two, I listen to this podcast and two guys, they kind of talk about movies and video games. And sometimes they like, they do Dungeons and Dragons. They kind of goof off and I think they drink beer. No one's saying, dude, you've got to listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know, unless they're insanely funny, no one's grabbing their friends saying, download this and listen. So you've got to be providing such a focus specific value to your audience that they are willing to go do that work for you. Other marketing things that actually do work, there's ways to advertise in some apps. So if you reach out to like Player FM or Overcast, you can actually do ads inside the apps to get downloads. I've seen people do Facebook ads, but I've never seen a ton of success there. Those audiograms are very good for leveraging Facebook groups and Facebook uh, friends to just check out the uh, podcast. Definitely, especially early on, if you don't have a community of people who already pay attention to you for some other reason, you've got to find communities that are already built around the same thing you are talking about. So if we're just using your podcast, for example, like you, if there was a Facebook group that was also talking about, here's how to start a business on a budget. If you were part of that group, then you know, check with the mods first and the people who are moderating it and say, Hey, I feel like this episode that I just did would be pretty valuable. Is it okay if I share it? And then you're sharing it to people who are already, you know, you've already validated. They are actually the perfect person to listen to your podcast. Another one that I really like is if you ever go on Quora, you can search for questions where your podcast episode is actually the answer. So you're kind of doing like the Jeopardy reversing the the reversing it. You you know what you okay in this podcast episode I talked about, I mean you and I right now are talking a lot about affiliate marketing. And so what if somebody said, uh so you go, okay, I'm giving a great answer for affiliate marketing, what it is and how to do it. So now I'm gonna go on Quora and I'm gonna search how to do affiliate marketing for podcasts. And now that I found a few people that have asked that, I can go in and actually write out a really good answer. And then at the end of it say, and we di I dive more in depth with this in this podcast episode, if you were interested. And you're not being scammy. You're not just dropping a link. You're not just flying by, you know, not helping. You've actually provided a ton of help. And at the end, you've given an opportunity for someone to go deeper. So those are things I've seen work very well for podcasting. Obviously, there's things like just is the better guests you get you actually are getting some access to their audience when they share the episode. So there's an ability for uh, you to just grow organically through other people's audiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good suggestions. And we're getting like a good education here. <laughs> but speaking of which, I love y'all's YouTube channel. I've watched a lot of the videos on there of different tutorials and you know, stuff like this. So I definitely encourage listeners if they want to learn more about podcasting and Buzzsprout in general to check out that YouTube. And I was curious, are you going to be at Podcast Movement this year, assuming that it actually happens? <laughs> if Podcast Movement happens in person, I will definitely be there. I've been to every one except I think the very first one that was like a Kickstarter in 2014. All the others I've been to and I love it. I mean, Podcast Movement and PodFest are two of the conferences I look forward to every year. I have a few uh, speaker um, submissions in for Podcast Movement. So hopefully one or two of them will get picked up and I'll have an opportunity to get on stage. Yeah, because I would love to meet you in person. I plan to be at Podcast Movement this year. It's actually in Dallas, which is where I live. Oh, so this will be my first one to go to because... Uh, you know, no travel expenses and all that stuff. So <laughs> there is I'm, nothing better than having a conference you want to go to show up in your hometown and then right. <laughs> you get to sleep in the comfort of your own bed mm -hmm. versus a $300 hotel room. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'd like to go to PodFest too. What is the difference between them? I haven't been to either of them. Like, is there, is one geared more towards 
podcast listeners and one more geared towards podcasters or are they both kind of similar? So no, there's definitely some differences. Podcast movement is, I'd say maybe a bit more polished and focused a little bit more on the industry. So the chances that you would see someone from like the head of Spotify podcasting being there are pretty, pretty good. And a podcast movement pretty regularly, I've seen people that I'm like, oh, wow, that's a Roman Mars. Oh, that's like people just walking around that I'm like, oh, I know those podcasters. What PodFest does that's really good is it's an incredible because it's in Florida every year. It has this incredible feeling of community because the same uh, group of people come back every year and they do a lot of really good things to engage everyone and kind of bring new people into like what they would call like their PodFest family. So walking around PodFest, I just feel like you see all these people and they're like so happy to see each other and lots of people giving hugs, maybe not as much this year, but much more like fist bumps, but you know, you just lots of people who are great friends and they do something so good. I think every conference should do this at the beginning of the conference. They do what they call their strategic alliance, where they get you to sit down at uh, tables of six. And it's almost like conference speed dating where you just, everyone passes that business card. You say what you do a little bit about yourself and then you move on to another table and they do a few rounds of that. But at the end of it, you've at least made a connection with about 20 people and three or four that you're going, I really want to follow up with her, you know, Oh, that guy was actually pretty interesting. And you've now got a few friends that you're walking around and you go into a session together. You're like, Oh, great. Let's, let's sit down and chat. It was, it was really fun to talk to you at the strategic alliance. So they do a good job kind of breaking the ice. Do a lot of um, podcasters at these events, do they bring like portable podcasting gear and do interviews on the spot oh, yeah. and things like that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, so one of the things we do is uh, we haven't done it this year, but we used to take a podcast studio with us and set it up instead of having like a booth to just kind of sit at. And we would just when people would meet each other, you hear it all the time. You'd be great for my podcast. I would love to interview you. And then, well, what are you going to do? You're going to write down on their business card. And then you're going to try to schedule something two weeks from now. And then life happens and you don't do it. And so we always had this comp- these uh, little studios set up. So we'd be like, hey, jump in the booth right now and record it. Do 25 minutes. And now you that's the episode. And so you definitely see people do that. People kind of go off to a hotel room or maybe just find like a quiet corner and we'll record a quick episode. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, the reason I think it's so, you know, these conferences are so good is because podcasting has a very one-way relationship. It's me behind a microphone, maybe talking to a co-host behind a microphone, and we don't really know our audience very well. And the best thing we can get is a five-star review on PodJC or Apple Podcasts. But we, and then maybe we see a name, but we don't put a face to it. And we definitely don't know other podcasters who are dealing with issues like us. Well, when you go to, you know, Podcast Movement or PodFest, everyone you meet has run through the issue of, oh, I did a whole recording and I lost it. And they all know how frustrating it is to try to learn a garage band for the first time or how to do a long distance interview. And so any problem you mention, somebody who, because they're a podcaster, they're an extrovert, and they love speaking, will interrupt the conversation and go, oh, I can tell you how to fix that. Let me help. Let me show you. And you're, you're like, just, it's so much fun to be around all these people who are into the same thing as you, who you may not have ever known someone in real life who was also into podcasting. That's awesome. I, I really hope that podcast movement happens this year. It's four months out, so hopefully this COVID thing will wrap up <laughs> before then. <laughs> but yeah, if if it does happen, I'll meet you there. <laughs> that would be In awesome. Person. Well, I appreciate your time today. Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss or go over? I don't think so. I mean, you know, they. I guess one thing I would say, and maybe this is in my way of thinking about marketing, especially during 
COVID-19 and kind of this world of uncertainty we're in right now, a lot of businesses and people are kind of freaking out and thinking, we don't know what the world looks like in two years, or we don't know what it looks like in two months. Why am I going to spend all this money on advertising? Why am I going to spend money on something else? You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. And that is always something to be conscious of. But in this, but one thing that I kind of went through uh, for the marketing for Buzzsprout last month was, well, in a world of uncertainty, what do we know will work? And one of the things I always come back to is creating great content. Um, because the content you create today, whether it be a YouTube channel or a blog post or a podcast, I am obviously biased towards the podcasts. Uh, but whichever one you create will be here in two years and three years and four years. And maybe you don't get all the listeners you wanted today, or maybe you don't get as many views on YouTube as you were hoping, or maybe your blog post didn't blow up. But what you did get was you started creating content that is going to pay dividends for a long time. And you may not know right now, if I spend $50 on Google ads, will I get $50 in sales back? Will I get uh, new followers to my Twitter account? You know, you don't, whatever you're trying to get done. But you do know if I put out really good content, I am going to start building an audience that I'll be able to leverage further down the line. Yeah, that's an awesome way to close out. Yeah, and if anyone is interested in checking out Buzzsprout, you can go to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Buzzsprout. I'll have the show notes there and as well as a link to get uh, a $20 Amazon gift card by signing up for Buzzsprout. And y'all have a free plan. So people can kind of try all out and, you know, see how they like it and upgrade from there. <laughs> Sounds great. And if you ever have any questions, I'm Alvin Brook on Twitter. So just A-L-B-A-N-B-R-O-O-K-E. And uh, if you tweet any podcast questions, I'd always like to help. And we have tons of guides and blog posts. So I'll probably link you to whichever one we answered your question in. Thank you. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack. Connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.